If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More breaking developments in the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of them will impact our lives for weeks and maybe months to come. And we'll start with the numbers. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry reporting 83 new cases in B.C., three new deaths. The numbers are growing exponentially now. Keith Baldry has the latest developments here at home, including the dramatic measure the province is enacting, hoping to save lives. Yesterday was a tough day. And just how tough it was is reflected in the huge jump in confirmed COVID-19 cases announced today. We've had 83 new cases added to our database today for a total number of cases of 186 here in British Columbia. In addition, tragically, we have three new deaths reported today. The large jump in cases does not necessarily mean the virus is more widespread but it perhaps is reflective of the fact it is being detected more often because more tests are being carried out. It's more of a reconciliation of the numbers, and it's a reflection of a lot of testing that's been done. As you see, most of the cases are in Vancouver Coastal, and of course that's where we're dealing with the outbreaks at Lynn Valley, um, at Hollyburn, and in uh, um, Lionsgate Hospital. To further slow the spread of the virus, though, a public health emergency has been declared. It means that the provincial health officer can issue verbal orders. We just heard some. So the provincial health officer can also compel any and all peace officers to enforce her verbal orders. Declaring a public health emergency gives the provincial health officer significant and arbitrary powers, such as against anyone who does not follow 14-day self-isolation rules. This is voluntary unless you don't do what we say, and then we have the ability to enforce an order on it. So it is something that we take very seriously. And she issued a big order effective immediately, one that will shut down bars and clubs and require different rules for restaurants to remain open. Bars and clubs, in my opinion, are not able to meet our test for social distancing and therefore must close. And as always, a reminder from the top doctor. You know, this is our time to, to be kind, to be calm and to be safe. Very good advice. Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, uh, you alluded to it in your package, but talk a little bit more about these stepped up powers, and they are significant, that come with this public health emergency declaration. Yeah, I go well beyond what you heard in my story, uh, Sophie. So, uh, yeah, under the Public Health uh, Act, under the emergency powers, Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian uh, Dix, to a lesser degree, will have sweeping powers. Everything from ordering quarantines, isolating individuals, uh, requiring examinations, uh, inspecting buildings, uh, as you heard Adrian Dix say, directing police operations, uh, getting uh, court orders and warrants, uh, basically to do anything she sees necessary as stemming the spread of a pandemic flu influenza such as COVID-19. So it uh, doesn't mean she's going to use them all, but you saw an example today, pretty sweeping to automatically close all bars and clubs immediately. Look for other things to close as well on her watch. Bonnie Henry has a very soft-spoken manner, but she now is carrying a very heavy punch. All right, thanks for that. Keith Baldry joining us in Victoria. 
So we learned today the B.C. students will not be going back to school anytime soon. The province's education minister saying that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, classes are off until further notice. But steps are being taken to ensure education and graduations will continue to happen. Aaron MacArthur reports. A difficult decision has been made to suspend K-12 learning in B.C. classrooms at this time. There's a lot of talking going on. When spring break is over in two weeks, students in B.C. will not be going back to the classroom. COVID-19 forcing the government to hit pause on the school year. The government and teachers, along with parents, have two weeks to figure out how more than half a million kids will learn. We've urged schools and school districts to begin planning now to ensure a continuity of learning while in-class Instruction is suspended in BC schools indefinitely. The schools won't be shuttered. Teachers likely will still come in and make lesson plans for their students. And districts are being told to keep some spaces open for the kids of emergency professionals and healthcare workers. What any of that looks like, though, no one really has an idea yet. Districts and teachers will be planning together. And so different communities have different needs. It's not going to look the same everywhere. But we need to make sure that all students have opportunities and we will do that. This is an unprecedented event. Schools in this province have never been closed to such a degree in the event of emergency. If you look as far back to the 19th century during um, smallpox outbreaks, cities across the country closed their schools. And then more recently during polio outbreaks in the 1910s and 30s and 50s, schools were closed sometimes for weeks if not longer than that. Overseas, schools in Hong Kong and Taiwan closed in the middle of January at Chinese New Year when COVID first hit there. The students are still learning at home. No one knows how long the closure will last in British Columbia. The closure applying to more than just public schools. Every school in the province will be shut for the foreseeable future. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And more breaking coronavirus news now. Six firefighters from the township of Langley are in self-isolation after being exposed to COVID-19 while on duty. Our Catherine Urquhart joins us live with more on this. Catherine, this happened while they, uh, the exposure happened while they were on a call? That's right, Sophie. As you mentioned, six Township of Langley firefighters are now in self-isolation after they were exposed to a case of COVID-19. It happened while they were working, while they were on a medical call back on March the 9th. For more on this, here is Deputy Chief Ferguson. When we go, we run that risk every time we go into somebody's home to, to service them, whatever that service may be. And um, we do take the necessary precautions. We have uh, protective, uh, personal protective equipment that we can wear in there, but sometimes the, uh, the issue doesn't present itself as serious as it is, and, and we can get into an exposure situation. We can tell you that eight firefighters were exposed, but two of them have since been cleared. So again, six firefighters from the township of Langley are now in self-isolation for 14 days. They are awaiting test results from Fraser Health. So far, fortunately, none of them showing any symptoms of COVID-19. Sophie? Good to hear. All right, Catherine Urquhart reporting live tonight. Catherine, thank you. With a growing number of businesses and services shut down, more and more British Columbians are now very worried about their financial well-being. Both the provincial and federal governments are promising help, but as Richard Zussman reports, the details are very sparse at the moment. 
Businesses closed, workers off the job, the economy in shambles. Our economy in BC will be impacted. By how much? The finance minister says it's still far too early to tell. The province building an economic recovery plan, but there are still no details. We will be building BC's plan for economic recovery and collaboration with the business community. The federal government set to unveil the first stages of its stimulus plan on Wednesday. It's expected to include measures to widen unemployment insurance and support. We are hard at work to create the right support package for Canadians while protecting people's jobs and our economy. The federal government already pledged a billion dollars, most of that for health care. But there's still no word on when that money will start to flow. The province is asking Ottawa to extend employment insurance for people who don't typically qualify. Premier John Horgan says the concerns he is hearing around the economy are clear. When I hear the top three things that are on people's minds across the province, um, it inevitably comes down to uh, will I continue to receive a paycheck? Is my job secure? Can I pay my rent? The business community hurting as well asking the province to exempt PST and the employer's health tax payments and remove the requirement for municipalities to charge 10% interest on late property transfer tax payments. We're finding ways to uh, help those businesses that are uh, 5 and 10 people who just can't keep the doors open because no one's coming in those doors. The province will be amending the Employment Standards Act. The change will protect workers and prevent layoffs in the event someone has to stay home to self-isolate. Richard Zuspin, Global News, Victoria. Sector by sector, businesses are deciding to shut their doors or cut hours. In Vancouver, restaurants and bars were ordered to close for St. Patrick's Day. And late this afternoon, Dr. Bonnie Henry, BC's provincial health officer, ordered all bars to be closed, period. Paul Johnson is live in Vancouver's Yale Town. Uh, it's a far different scene there than usual tonight, Paul. Certainly is, Sophie. The party is cancelled with all bars across the province ordered closed indefinitely as well. Here in the city of Vancouver, restaurants were ordered to close for dining in. We are open for the time being, the same hours. At Vera's Burger Shack on Vancouver's Commercial Drive, the sidewalk takeout counter is open, but the indoor seating is closed. They got the word early on and took action. You just come up to the window right here. Um, you'd ask us for an order. Keep it, keep it running. People still need their burgers, right? But not everyone got the message today. Here's the scene inside a popular Italian cafe on the drive. Staff told Global News they hadn't heard they were supposed to close. And a number of small restaurants across the city were still serving customers inside and said, closure, what closure? It is definitely a struggle. Um, I'm sure we'll get through. I'm a positive guy. But for the majority of restaurants that are up to speed, the challenge now is finding a way to reconfigure their business for what they anticipate will be their most difficult time ever. Day by day, we'll see what happens. If we back in business, we can uh, actually shrink the restaurant a little bit. I'm going to close the wine bar and open Provence Marina side, just the restaurant, and have the distance necessarily uh, set up by the health authority uh, between tables and a minimum of staff, and we'll serve both menu in the one uh, room. For bars and clubs, the situation was much clearer. By Tuesday afternoon, 
all of them now shut down province-wide, in places where partiers would normally be drinking green beer and dancing to the pogues for St. Patrick's Day, the taps are off indefinitely. So we reached out to the city of Vancouver about this situation with not all of the restaurants getting the word about today's closure. They said they were aware of the situation. Should this closure order continue into the future, they're prepared to step up enforcement to make sure everyone is complying. Sophie. Paul Johnson reporting in Yaletown. Paul, thank you. Well, it's become one of the defining experiences during the COVID crisis, even though it's completely unnecessary. The daily crush of shoppers stocking up. Now, one Metro Vancouver mayor is saying enough is enough. Port Coquitlam Mayor Brad West is asking supermarkets and big box retailers to not only limit the number of shoppers allowed through the doors at any one time, he's also asking them to put limits on how much people are allowed to buy. We've all seen the images of the hoarding that's going on, uh, and it's just uh, absolutely wrong at a time like this when everybody in our community needs access to goods, and we need to make sure that that's happening in a uh, responsible and orderly way. Uh, At this point, we're looking for voluntary compliance from our retailers. We're asking them to work with us towards this solution, but nothing is off the table. The city does have tools at its disposal if we aren't getting that compliance. I think it's a good idea, and I think they should let seniors in first. Good idea, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to end up like Italy. Yeah, well, they should put a limit. Limit. Yeah. It's amazing that people are hoarding. I, I just don't understand it. I think it was Armageddon or something. Costco says it will limit the number of customers, and it's asking shoppers to practice proper social distancing. Well, the pandemic is having an impact on some of the biggest resource projects in Canadian history. LNG Canada is cutting the number of workers at its Kitimat project in half. Crews will be placed on rotation to ensure critical staffing levels to keep the site secure and maintain environmental controls. At the same time, Coastal GasLink is also reducing its workforce to what it calls critical levels during the construction of that natural gas pipeline project. There's a lot more attention focused on Vancouver International Airport tonight. Now that it will be one of only four Canadian airports allowed to accept international arrivals effective tomorrow. The airport is stepping up its screening process after it and Canadian Border Services took criticism for not doing enough. Sarah McDonald reports on the unprecedented impact the pandemic has had on air travel. As the country closes its doors to most foreign nationals. The airport will never close. Uh, Come hell, high water or COVID-19, we will stay open. YVR remains open for business. One of four airports nationwide designated to accept international flights and conduct enhanced screening amid the COVID-19 crisis. We've been given a sheet of paper to self-isolate for 14 days. Yeah, the self-isolation for two weeks. The effectiveness of which, in the hands of the country's border services agency, has come under scrutiny at Canadian airports, including here 
where critics say stepped-up screening practices like increased signage, agents and questions still just aren't enough. There are issues there that I will leave to the federal government to address, but I've heard similar things from uh, constituents in my community. When it comes to air travel, the scale and scope of this pandemic is expected to be far more wide-reaching than any world event we've seen in recent history. This is uh, uh, much more uh, broad and deep than 9-11. If you'll recall, we were flying again within five days, uh, you know, of 9-11, and uh, this is going to be, uh, take a longer period of time. As was the case then, one of the many focuses of the federal government now remains returning its citizens to Canadian soil. WestJet suspending commercial international flights as the airline partners with Ottawa in rescue and repatriation efforts, with the Prime Minister announcing a financial lifeline for those in need of travel funds. Up to $5,000 as part of an emergency loan program through Global Affairs Canada. It will help people who need immediate financial assistance return home or cover their needs if they have to wait to get back. With the border still open to American citizens, everybody exiting these doors is supposed to be walking right into isolation. They gave me a sheet to tell me to self-isolate. Though that's not being enforced. Provincial officials asking our neighbours to the south not to come at all. For now, Sarah McDonald, Global News. ICBC has cancelled all road tests for at least the next two weeks. The insurer says the cancellation applies to all motorcycle, passenger vehicle and commercial road tests. If you have a test scheduled, you will be contacted and once tests resume, it will be rescheduled. ICBC says it will reevaluate the situation in two weeks. Right now, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on almost every aspect of our lives, including the economy, is already almost impossible to measure. Now, representatives of one of B.C.'s biggest industries are warning the effects will be devastating without government intervention. Brad McLeod reports. The signs of a tourism industry on the brink are everywhere. Literal signs. Most restaurants closed in Whistler. They already told us at the hotel that it would be uh, today like a ghost town. In Victoria, people turned away from popular pubs like the Garrick's Head. Timing's not great. Uh, St. Patrick's Day today, so not a great time to close, but it has to be done. This GM of two Victoria restaurants is anxiously listening for any news of financial relief for businesses. And while he waits, he's started to call staff to lay them off. It's devastating for our industry. We've seen massive layoffs across the board all over the province. Tourism usually accounts for $19 billion in revenue for the province and employs 300,000 people. Not anymore. We know of hotels with a staff of 120. They're down to less than 20. And that's happening throughout the province. Many hotels will close this week. Here in Victoria, the number one employer in the private sector tourism. The Chamber of Commerce says if anything affects that industry, it will be felt by everyone else. Tourism is not going to be happening over the foreseeable future. Those who represent tourism-based businesses are demanding help. Interest-free financial assistance to all businesses. The tourism industry of BC asking for an emergency fund to help shops weather the downturn. We can't have them go under. Many businesses in limbo left wondering whether they can afford to keep their employees or even survive. We'll take it hour by hour. I'm just hoping that they can bring some measures in to help us small businesses 
I mean, especially in Whistler, as we're a tourist town, this is going to hit us incredibly hard. Details of the Fed's financial plan are expected Wednesday. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. A bunch of students from Vancouver College Boys School are stuck in Peru after the country took drastic measures to control COVID-19 and cancelled all flights. Twelve boys and three teachers left Canada before any travel restrictions were in place. And now they can't get home without help from the Canadian Embassy. It's supposed to be the trip of a lifetime. Twelve students and three teachers from Vancouver College Boys School in Peru helping locals. But when Peru adopted drastic restrictions to contain COVID-19, the team became trapped. We heard from the Peruvian government that there was the 15-day uh, ban on all flights in and out, so that was not to be. The kids are now stuck there in a remote village. Parents anxious to get them home. bit scary just to think how are they going to get out. You know, it's a little unsettling to, to know they may have a longer time there and not an easy time to get out. The black son, Will, and the rest of the boys are safe and staying at a local hotel with a bus and driver ready to go. But there's still no clarity on where they should go or when they'll be allowed to leave. Attempts to arrange travel home through the Canadian Embassy in Lima have so far been futile. They shut their offices completely and rerouted us through to Ottawa. Um, and uh, in Ottawa, again, we haven't got any uh, direct information. With the boys waiting and parents worrying, a surprise phone call from one of the teachers in Peru brought hopeful news. Peru is flying its citizens back to the country, meaning those flights can leave with stranded Canadians. That we can then, through the embassy, let them know that we can, uh, re to register us on one of those flights that are going back out. Oh, there will be a limited number of seats and it's still not clear if the boys will have to endure a 20-hour bus trip back to Lima. The school and parents hope they get some help from Ottawa as soon as possible. Right now, the Canadian embassy in Peru remains closed and it's unclear when or even if the Vancouver College students will be able to register for those flights that will be leaving the country. We'll keep you updated, and when we know more, hopefully we'll be able to pass it along. The ban on large gatherings sparked by the COVID-19 outbreak has forced many BC charities to cancel their main fundraising events for the year. As Linda Aylesworth reports, they're being hit hard, and food banks, which normally would help those hardest hit by the outbreak, are also suffering. Raising enough funds to feed over 8,000 people a week isn't easy. Now the Greater Vancouver Food Bank has another challenge, meeting its goals in light of measures to contain the COVID-19 pandemic. Our fundraising events uh, usually start to kick in in March. Those are huge fundraisers for us. All of that is cancelled. COVID-19 is presenting other challenges as well. The market style of shopping they usually offer their clients isn't conducive to social distancing. So we've changed that to pre-packed grocery bags. So it limits the amount of contact clients have with us, with each other, and the amount of time they are in a space. But this has led to other needs, like more volunteers to pack those bags, and the bags themselves. So there's 1,500 in, in each case. So Thank there's you. 20 cases here. Oh, awesome. For this, they're counting on the retail sector. And I thought, you know, if I have a store that had a couple extra bags in their store, I'd just go and grab it and bring it down here. 
Few charities are not taking some kind of financial hit due to the ban on large gatherings. The Critter Care Wildlife Society, for example. It's expensive. I've got a million dollar budget to make. Much of that money comes from their annual gala, which has also been cancelled. We get close to $100,000 at that event, and that money goes to the animals. We were in this village in Chanadorga that had just gotten their water system up and running. The Hope International Development Agency helps the poorest of the poor in 16 developing nations. They raise $1.5 million each year with six fundraising dinners, all of them cancelled. With such unknown times right now, we can't even reschedule right now. We don't know how long public gatherings are going to be banned. We really need that support now to get those dollars overseas. COVID-19 might have the power to cancel fundraisers, but it can't stop funds from being raised. It hasn't taken away our ability to pick up the phone or the mouse and donate to our favourite charities. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Canadian Blood Services says the COVID-19 outbreak has caused a sharp drop in blood donations and the supply is reaching critically low levels. The agency says blood donor clinics are among the safest, most sterile places of all and people should not be worried about giving the gift of life. Canada's chief public health officer is also asking Canadians to step up. We need blood donors to book and keep their appointments to prevent shortages. Canadian Blood Services has robust cleaning, infection control and screening practices in place to protect all donors, staff and volunteers. Anyone who wants to book an appointment to donate blood can do so on the Canadian Blood Services website or by calling one 888 donate well, south of the border, more drastic measures that look like something out of the movies are being taken to fight the spread of coronavirus. San Franciscans are being told to shelter in place, an order that could soon be repeated in the largest city in the country. This is what it looks like when nearly 7 million people shelter in place. Well-known San Francisco sites like Fisherman's Wharf, virtually empty. A drastic move to stop the spread of COVID-19. A similar move could be coming to New York City within 48 hours. I think New Yorkers should be prepared right now for the possibility of a shelter-in-place order. More cities announced bars and restaurants are closed. New Orleans Bourbon Street is a ghost town. Richmond, Virginia restaurateur John Davenport says he had to lay off 320 of his employees. It's really something that's hard to wrap our minds around right now. It happened so fast, so abruptly and so unexpectedly. And more school closures. 38 million children now forced to stay home and study online. With new CDC guidelines urging no gatherings of more than 10 people, most movie theaters are dark. And the Kentucky Derby will not be held in May for the first time since World War II. We're going to do what we have to do in the short term to keep people safe, and then we're going to come back stronger than ever. Grocery stores are doing their part, too, opening their doors early just for seniors. The 52 million Americans over age 65 are most at risk. NIH's Dr. Anthony Fauci. It probably would be several weeks and maybe longer before we know whether we're having an effect. NBA star Kevin Durant announced he has tested positive for coronavirus. He is on self-quarantine, but says he's doing fine. Just another example, no one is immune from the virus and the importance of slowing down the spread. Jamie Yuka, CBS News, Los Angeles. 
In Health Matters tonight, with schools cancelled, heightened anxiety and demands for social distancing, many parents are wondering how to talk to their children about what's going on. Psychologists say the best thing to ease a child's anxiety is to communicate clearly and with confidence that you've got this. The idea is that we really have to step in as the leaders that we are for our children during times like these. And you need to be able to explain those kinds of rules to them, just like you would when you tell them they have to put their seatbelt on or they have to do you know, any other kind of mundane thing that maybe they don't love, but it's just a fact of life. The key is to step in with swagger and be full of confidence that you know exactly how to take them through this and move on to the next thing without it having become a big deal. One of the key things is to know that children really like concretes and they really like endings. And so it's very important that we be talking about this in clear, concise, and concrete terms, that we give them endings rather than just kind of, you know, trying to be airy-fairy about it and sweeping it under the rug, that we tell them very, very clearly what it is that is happening, what it is that we expect of them. I think one of the key things of being a leader for our children in all of this is to make sure that they experience us as ones that are able to find our way through to the next um, good thing. And when you look around, you're looking for the helpers, you're looking for the positives, you're looking for all of those gorgeous stories of people singing to one another on their balconies. And to be gifting those kinds of things to our children so that we have an opportunity in this to shine a light on the best of humanity rather than leaving it in all the dark. And really, this is a time to understand that we have an opportunity in front of us to connect as families like we've never done before, especially if we're self-isolating and we're shut in together. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A look at how some of the animals at Chicago's Shed Aquarium are getting into the spirit this St. Patrick's Day. The aquarium is closed to visitors because of coronavirus concerns. But the animal care teams put together some holiday-themed activities this week. The staff says introducing new experiences like these keeps the animals active. I'm going. I'm going. Love you. <laughs> Max Brooks and Mel Brooks and their message about the coronavirus using humor to inform right after Yvonne's forecast. <laughs> nice to see Mel Brooks. For sure. All right, uh, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us. Humor is good. Uh, blue skies and sunshine also good. Yes, we need the vitamin. It's beautiful out there. We're going to continue to see a very similar weather picture as we get in towards tomorrow. Just a heads up, though, with the clear skies overnight and for the early morning hours, it is going to be on the cool side. Sunset this evening will be just after 7. We've got a bit of high-level cloud for a few areas. 9 as the high today and a westerly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. Away from the water, though, it did warm up into the double digits. Many spots in towards the Fraser Valley getting up to 13 degrees. Pitt Meadows today up to 14 in areas near Burnaby where our studios topping out at 13 degrees. Across the central interior, a bit of a break as well. Lytton getting up to 16 as the high. Central interior at 5 for Prince George. Still quite chilly, but it was a dry day today for areas near the Peace up to minus 3. Overnight with the clear skies, we'll dip down to 2. Tomorrow morning, do bundle up if you're heading out. We'll be at 5 degrees and then towards the afternoon with the sunshine and a high up to 14. A bit of a blip in the forecast, and that's across the northern half of the province. A system is going to clip the north with an increase in cloud cover. The precipitation in the form of rain will develop towards the evening, and then it should ease up as we approach our Thursday. So the northern half of the province will see rain by tomorrow night. Inland highs up to 5 degrees with that increase in cloud cover. 
Most areas for the northeastern corners of the province will bump up to minus 4 through the day. And across the central interior, very pleasant, plenty of sunshine. Double digits for a few spots across the southern interior, clear skies overnight. So it'll be chilly just below the freezing mark and then warming up through the day. Whistler, fantastic conditions with the high up to 11 degrees and right across the south coast. So a cool start to the morning, warming up for the afternoon. Sunshine, areas away from the water will be up to 15 degrees. A quick glance at the sunset this evening. So it's just around 7.20 over the next three weeks. It'll be closer to 8 o'clock and spring officially begins this Thursday at 8.50 in the evening. And on the 19th, that's the earliest that we've had over 100 years. So we'll be watching for that. Our five-day forecast, so pleasant over the next few days. Saturday, the beginning of the weekend, looks to be dry. We could see a bit of a change. Still a few days out, and that'll be on our Sunday. A beautiful shot for a Centro Windows weather window. This was in Esquimalt, the sunrise this morning, captured by Michael. Guys? Already uh, looks and feels like spring out there in some places. A moment of serenity with that beautiful picture. Thank we you, Yvonne. need it, Sometimes we use sunsets or sunrises. Sometimes we use humor to get through difficult times or drive home a message. And that is the hope of Max Brooks, son of the legendary Mel Brooks. That's right. Max Brooks sharing a video with tips we can all use to keep our loved ones healthy and safe. Hi, I'm Max Brooks. I'm 47 years old. This is my dad, Mel Brooks. Hi, Dad. He's 93. If I get the coronavirus, I'll probably be okay. But if I give it to him, he could give it to Carl Reiner, who could give it to Dick Van Dyke. And before I know it, I've wiped out a whole generation of comedic legends. When it comes to coronavirus, I have to think about who I can infect. And so should you. So practice social distancing. Avoid crowds, wash your hands, keep six feet away from people. And if you've got the option to stay home, just stay home. Do your part, don't be a spreader. Right, Dad? Go. I'm going, I'm going. Go. Love you. Hashtag don't be a spreader. Although we seem to be <laughs> spreading further and further apart. Well, we're too, yeah. It's pretty close. We're close, we're close, okay. All right, time for sports and uh, Squire. Somehow, even though most leagues have canceled or suspended their seasons, the NFL goes on and big news out of the NFL today. Yes, thank goodness for that. Oh, thank you very much back there. (laughs) In the Brady Bunch TV series, for those of you who watched it, you'll remember that nobody left home. The Bradys always stayed together. But today there is a story of a man named Brady who is leaving home. Tom Brady is a free agent, and he's not going to play for New England anymore. Sources say that he'll likely become a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. They are the front runners at the moment for his services. Now, until he signs, he's still officially a free agent. Maybe he'll end up somewhere else, but Tampa seems to be the number one choice. Whatever the case, the fact he is leaving New England is a tectonic shift in the NFL. This was clearly a last-minute rewrite of the script for Tom Brady's glorious football story because the original ending was to have him retire as a Patriot. There is an entire generation of football fans who only know Tom Brady as a Patriot. He's been New England's quarterback for 20 years. My whole life he's been here, like, I'm 17, so I've only known Tom Brady as a Patriot. So it's just like he's the greatest of all time in our eyes and everything. The greatest part of his legacy, nine Super Bowl appearances, six wins. Brady, end zone, touchdown! 
The move, of course, ends a relationship between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But there are NFL insiders who think maybe this split was inevitable, given the two strong personalities involved. Some of these competitors always want another challenge. They want to prove that they can win it without Belichick, and I'm sure there's a little bit of that in Belichick as well. I mean, Belichick probably wants to prove that he can win something, maybe a a Super Bowl without Tom Brady, uh, and secure his legacy. If Brady does go to Tampa Bay, he'll have excellent receivers to work with, like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who were both over 1,000 yards receiving last year with Jameis Winston as quarterback. The other question is, what do the Patriots do without Brady? That question still doesn't have an answer. There is no heir apparent ready to go in New England, so it'll have to be a trade or a free agent signing to replace Brady. Now, if Brady doesn't go to the Buccaneers, there is an opening in Los Angeles with the Chargers, if he wants to go there. He is a California guy, after all. Their longtime quarterback, Philip Rivers, signed a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts today. Now, Rivers will have a great offensive line to work behind an Indy and a pretty good running game. Perhaps that'll help him turn things around from a not-so-good 2019. The one-year deal from the Colts is worth $25 million. That provides a bridge for Indy until they find a younger quarterback. The Carolina Panthers signed free agent quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, who was with the Saints last season, Saints that is, filling in when Drew Brees was hurt. I think he was 5 for 5 in all of his starts, 5 wins and 5 starts. This is a big change for Carolina because after all those years with Cam Newton as their main guy, they're going to Bridgewater. Newton has had injury problems. Bridgewater gets a three-year deal for $63 million in Carolina. The Patriots were also interested in Bridgewater, but obviously they lost out to the Panthers, which leaves Cam Newton up for grabs if anybody wants to make a trade to get him. He is upset that the Panthers have dumped him because apparently a few weeks ago it looked like Carolina would stay with Cam Newton. And to no one's surprise, Drew Brees signed a new contract with the Saints. Two-year deal worth $50 million. He's now 41. This will be his 20th year. He is the NFL's all-time leading passer in yardage and touchdown passes. He had no thoughts of ever leaving New Orleans. The Kentucky Derby is usually held on the first Saturday in May, but not this year. The race has been postponed to later in 2020, likely in September. We're going to deal with the situation as they are uh, in the moment. Right now, what we believe and what we've uh, come to understand is that the September time frame should work. If circumstances change, we will respond. We will be resilient and we will move forward responsibly. The annual Harry Jerome Track Classic has been canceled. It was supposed to be held May 30th at Swangard Stadium in Burnaby, but because, as you know, coronavirus They uh, are not going to go forward this year, and they decided to make the decision now not to hold it. And four Brooklyn Nets have tested positively for coronavirus. They're not saying who, although one of the rumors is maybe Kevin Durant, even though he wasn't playing this year. And the last team they played, I believe, was the Lakers. Now all the Lakers have to get tested. Another heartwarming example tonight of how people are helping each other get through these difficult times. In Clintonville, Ohio, a couple of aspiring symphony musicians turned their practice time into a private performance for their neighbor. I'm ready to hear music. In uncertain times, music to our ears. A front porch symphony in Clintonville, Ohio. Taran Chen, 9, and kid sister Calliope, 6, now home from school, have to practice the cello anyway. So mom Rebecca wielded her conductor's baton. 
It started off for us as just a personal bright spot. Their 78-year-old neighbor, Helena Schlamm, is isolating herself at home as a precaution. She was stuck inside of her house, so we decided to do something for her. We just wanted to make her happy. So the mini maestros in their Sunday best, from a safe distance of course, put their fingers to work on a positive note. This will give us perspective and make us aware, I hope, of what good things we have in our lives. The front stoop this day worthy of Carnegie Hall. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News. Practice, practice, practice. They'll get there eventually. Very cool. All right, the COVID-19 pandemic has left many of us with questions and concerns. And so to help get some of those questions answered, Global BC is going to host a virtual town hall. We're broadcasting this Thursday, March 19th, from 6.30 until 7.30. And you can also watch live on our website and on Global BC's Facebook page. And you can listen on CKNW. We are everywhere. You will be able to ask questions of BC's Provincial Health Officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, and BC's Health Minister, Adrian Dix. Here's how you can participate. Email us your questions to tips at globaltvbc.com or send a video question. You'll be able to ask questions live as well on Facebook during the town hall. That's this Thursday, right here after a shorter version of the News Hour. Thanks, folks. Good night.